Kaya Yahipi, which is welcome in Lakota Sioux, Indian, which is another one of the many ways that I am teaching you all to say welcome. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the podcast creator and the podcast host. I am so happy to have you all here for this special episode today. Why is it special, Tim? Oh, I'm glad you asked me that. This episode is special because this is the first episode of Daddy Unscripted where I am talking to someone who is not a dad. I'm going to talk about that in this episode, actually. But my guest today is Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, who is the creator of the Fit Father Project. And I found him on the internet very randomly. I was at work one day, and it was one of the ads on the side or the bottom of a large email that I received. It was just the craziest thing that this has all led to this. But basically, it was an ad that looked like it was right up my alley, basically, because he was speaking about getting fit if you are a 40-plus-year-old dad, which uh, that is me, a 40-plus-year-old dad who definitely needs to get fit. So I clicked on it and read a little bit and read a little bit more and saw his story that we'll get into in this episode and immediately thought, A, this could be really cool for me. This is something I may really want to do. And B, I want to have this guy on the podcast. And so I did some research to see if he was a dad and I've only talked with dads and I've said I'm only going to talk with dads on this podcast. But when I kind of looked around and saw that maybe he wasn't a dad and I didn't straight up ask him right off the bat and I thought, you know what, it doesn't really matter because this is a message that for us men and us dads, this is a very important message and it's something that really hits close to home for me because of some health scares that I have had and some conversations that I have had with my wife and some of my direction that I need to be a lot more consistent about, which is living a healthier life for my kids, if nothing else, just for them. And when it comes down to it, if I'm sitting down and completely stripping everything away, not clothing wise, none of you should see that, but stripping away all of the layers of work and things and toys and even Red Sox baseball, like that's scary for me to say out loud, but all of these things that I love, when it comes down to it, it is my wife and my kids, period. And so I know that this is a very important thing for me, and I know for a lot of you this is a very important story for you to hear as well, if nothing else, for the really remarkable and uh, unique story of what drove Dr. Anthony to create the Fit Father Project in the first place. So without further ado, let's get to this very important episode with Dr. Anthony Balduzzi. Dr. Anthony Balduzzi, welcome, Dr. Anthony. Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So we will kind of go back into whatever part of your history makes sense to go back into. I know you uh, definitely have some very unique and 
compelling stories to tell about your dad. But if it makes sense for you to go back even further than that, then go ahead. Yeah, I would love to start talking about my dad because in, in a way for me, um, he is the reason why I'm here with you all today, like sharing this. And and some of my earliest memories growing up, I was three to four years old, were uh, spent in uh, our garage gym in upstate New York. Uh, and I would watch my dad lift weights. And we had these old like wrought iron York dumbbells, like the ones you have to screw on. Um, and I would just sit in the corner of the gym and, and watch dad lift. And I just loved it. I mean, I was so impressed with looking at dad, how, how strong he was and and I knew when I want, when I grew up, I wanted to, I wanted to look like him. I wanted to have rippling muscles. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be manly. Um, and that just left a really big impression on me from a young age. And then something happened. Dad got a big promotion at work. He worked for a computer leasing company, like I said, in upstate New York. And, um, this was a time where computers were getting really big in corporate. And so he was running around working so hard. I mean, to the point where he would sleep at the office some nights, like wouldn't come home for dinner. Um, and I, over the next several years, I basically stopped seeing dad in the gym. You know, he slept at the office and he really started working himself to the bone and he, he started eating unhealthy. And like I said, missing the workouts and his health really started to slip. And Fast forward about three to four years at this point, I'm playing downstairs with my brother. We're building some Legos or something like that. And we just hear a thunderous crash from what sounds like my parents' upstairs bedroom. Like the kind of crash that like shakes your whole house. Mm. So we run upstairs, we rip open parents' bedroom and we see my dad on the floor convulsing, having a violent seizure. His just socks are flailing. And I had never been so scared in my entire life. Because uh, at that, that age, you don't know what a seizure is. And, and certainly, that's the first time I've ever seen my parents, uh, my dad in particular, look so helpless. Mm-hmm. So we screamed for mom, scooped him up, and we brought him to the hospital. And, and the doctors ran a series of brain scans and blood tests to try to figure out what was going on. And uh, we're sitting in the waiting room, me, my mom, my little brother, and my dad. Doctor comes in, you know, has a just a ghost white look on his face, sits down, says, Peter, I am so sorry. You have terminal brain cancer. And that was the longest minute, you know, after that happened, just looking at my mom's face. And, and that was pretty much the moment when my entire life changed forever. And over the next year, uh, my dad underwent two emergency brain surgeries, chemo, radiation. You know, he lost pretty much everything that he valued, the last bits mm-hmm. of his health, his ability to work. Uh, and he passed away at 42 years young. Wow. And I learned so many lessons from my dad's life and death. And, and one of the guiding ones that really is shaped the direction of my life was that as men, as providers, you know, we do so much to try to take care of our families and, and we work a lot often and, and health is something that slips. Yet that's a humongous mistake because health is really the bedrock of our ability to, to be there for our loved ones and to provide. Um, and so I'm on a mission to, to help guys who have struggled, um, with finding the balance between all of life's responsibilities and their health you know, get this area of their life handled so they can enjoy that, that lean, energetic, healthy body for years to come and stay strong uh, for their families. And, and so that more boys and girls don't have to grow up with our dad, their dads. So that is why I founded the Fit Father Project. It's why I went to medical school. It's why I invested all this time and money and energy, you know, studying this stuff specifically to help guys like my dad. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the short of it. We can certainly get into more personal history if you'd like. Um, but I think that just from that story alone, you have a really good idea of what drives me up in the morning and why I work so hard and why we're building the Fit Father Project and why I'm spending time, you know, having conversations like this with you because, you know, men need more support on all fronts. 
and uh, and health and fitness is certainly the the area of this war that I'm championing. Yeah, it's uh, a similar story that I've heard from a, a few people in in the course of my life about you know I had a very good friend who died. Oh man, he was I believe 38, and he was not a humongous guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he was always kind of a bigger guy and worked super hard. And for a lot of his, the time that I spent with him, he didn't have the most amazing diet ever. Mm. And basically his heart just exploded and ruptured. And he collapsed one day, just talking with people out in a parking lot and he was gone. Mm. And I remember just thinking like that really put it and and before that I didn't have kids but it it really put a perspective for me because he did have two kids and me thinking about what and I shame on me because I haven't really put any of this into action mm. consistently and this is why I say that I kind of fall in that perfect category of people that you would normally talk to for other reasons, but just knowing how important those things are for just being alive for your family, you know, as, as basic as you can make it, just trying to have a longer and healthier life. So you're not, you know, my dad was in his young forties when he had me. And so I always, had the older dad when I was in high school and in elementary and junior high. And so it wasn't that picture perfect story of a kid who goes outside and does all this active stuff with his dad. And my dad was pretty healthy. He also had, he also passed away from brain cancer Wow! and that came, he started getting the symptoms in, January, February, like really being able to see anything kind of happening in January, February of 1990. And he died in November of that year. So it was Mm -hmm. a very rapid thing. And again, he wasn't the picture perfect, healthy guy. And he was 60 when he died. Mm -hmm. But still, me thinking like as an older dad, because I also had my kids at an older age thinking, I really need to make sure that I am trying to do something. And that thought goes in and out of my head at different times. And I don't eat fast food every day or anything like that. But I jokingly said to my wife the other day, because we were talking about kind of the same subject and saying, you need to start working out. You need to start doing something like let's look for a cheap exercise, something that we can throw in the garage so you can go out there and do something. And I'm kind of in that cycle that I'm sure you see a lot of where I am in pain a lot Mm -hmm. of the time. And when I try to lift weights or work out or do something super extraneous, it hurts. And I know I've been told for a really long time, like that's, I'm basically just in the circle of it hurts because I'm not active and because I'm not doing things. And if I would start, you know, generating that circle in the other direction, it would make it easier and whatnot. So, uh, I told her, I said, I'm not even, I'm not in bad shape 
anymore. I'm just not in sh- like I'm not in any shape at all. <laughs> so I'm sure you see a lot of that. Yeah, all, all the time. And, and, you know, we could take this conversation in any direction. You know, I'd be happy to share some of our approaches to making this health and fitness stuff like simple, sustainable and doable for busy dads and guys over 40. Or we can riff some more about dad stuff. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, I'm just excited for wherever this conversation goes from here. And, and I think it's very fitting. I'm sorry, first off, about your dad. And I can't believe brain cancer as well. You know, it's not yeah. exactly a common thing. Yeah, when when I saw that on your site, I was like, oh, I'm I'm definitely contacting him. Yeah. So thank you. I'm also, you know, I I can't imagine going through it. You know, I hear a lot of people, even guests that I've had whose fathers passed away not that long ago, and we talk about how it never changes, how it's hard no matter what age you're at. And it really is a pain that doesn't ever fully go away. And for me, I kind of think that's a a good thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want it to go away, really. Uh, I think the day that I stop feeling any kind of morose feelings or emotions about my dad passing away, like I am going to yell at myself and make them (laughs) and want them to come back. But I, I just can't imagine going through that at you were how old were you when your dad passed nine. away were you oh nine gosh nine yeah nine just before my 10th birthday um and i, I agree with you 100 percent. i think that there's always unique opportunity and tragedy um and if you're the particular type of person who has the ability to transmute that kind of pain into something great um in a way dad's passing for me personally was also one of the best things that ever happened to me Um, Because it it certainly gave me drive and mission and purpose from a young age. And it's led me to um, have the opportunity to help so many men that I definitely wouldn't be in this position. I wouldn't have the the drive and the ambition to to do this in such a big way had I not experienced that. So very thankful for our dads and the lessons they teach us in so many different ways. You know, some unexpected and dramatic like their own passing. But, you know, he certainly still lives on through the work at the Fit Father Project. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would be the ultimate charge for him and his legacy would be what you're doing. And I'm sure you're fully aware of that. And how old, how much younger is your brother than you? Three years. So he was six when dad passed. And, um, you know, there's definitely a difference between the psychology of a six-year-old and a Mm nine-year-old, you know, especially in that young age, you know, three years is a lot. Um, and so it definitely impacted him a lot differently than it did me. I feel lucky that I was at, a, at an age enough that I could understand that dad had passed. I don't think mm-hmm. Nick, Nick didn't quite get it, um, you know, kind of months afterwards asking when dad's coming home kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was certainly tragic. But, you know, now at this point, Nick actually helps with the Fit Father Project. He does oh, audio cool. video work for us. So all the video you see on YouTube, like our hundreds of videos, Nick's the guy that does that. So he's a part of the mission, too. So we got a family run business now. Oh, that's great. And you guys live in the same area in upper New York or? No. So, you know, dad was pretty, he was pretty crafty. Um, before he passed, his goal was to move us to the exact opposite place of upstate New York, which is Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh. So we went from like snow winters to cactus in 110 degrees. Mm-hmm. And so mom liked that. So he kind of wanted to set mom up in a little house and give her a fresh start. And he did that. And, and so he actually ended up passing in Scottsdale, Arizona, like a couple months before um, the house he was building for my mom was actually, 
you know, live and open. So we moved into that right after he passed. Uh, and we've kind of he- been here ever since. And he did give us a fresh start, um, all of us. And my mom has since remarried to uh, a man who's my stepdad now, Jim, Jim Younger. And he is an amazing guy. So I've had, I've had two great dads. And, you know, I have one now and, and I had one back then. So I'm a lucky guy, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. good with two. I don't think I need a third, but I'm good with two. You hear that mom? Yeah. So how long was, I mean, let's get into that a little bit. How, how long after your dad's passing was your mom married to Jim? I think she started dating around maybe two years afterward. And at that point, I was 12, you know, just getting into my teenage years. So I absolutely hated the piss out of any guy she brought around. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was not easy for her to date. And I was probably not the most pleasant guy. Um, but she met Jim after a series of dating some guys probably three years afterwards. And, and my mom's a, a conservative, you know, classy lady. She, she, uh, she definitely put Jim through the ringer. He had to chase her for a long time. But eventually he was the right choice and they got married. They've been married um, for 15 years now, I think. And I'm so happy that my mom has, uh, has a man in her life to make her laugh, to keep her company, to challenge her. Um, so it's, it, it is really, you know, a happily ever after with lessons learned and memory still kept in the heart for our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that that was a tough transition, all of that for her just in that three, four year time span of a very quick change that she was also having to kind of brace herself for. These are things I think about with my mom in mind as well of that knowing that something is pending or impending Mm -hmm. and uh, having to kind of steal yourself for that and the life that I mean, completely different circumstance for your mom, the life that she is then looking at with the two young boys and being kind of both parents to them while yeah. doing what was she was she a a fully employed mom at that time or I'm gonna give you this story because this is why, you know, my mom was my dad and my mom and, and absolutely my superhero. So she was full-time. She, she, she was always, she was full-time. She was not working while my dad was alive. She was full-time mom. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty abrupt transition when, when dad passed. And so what mom's solution was to figure out how to still take us to school, take us to all the sports we were in and still put food on the table was she learned how to trade stocks. Mm. She became a day trader and she would wake up at around 5 a.m., 4 or 5 a.m. And Arizona, we're, we're behind East Coast time. So the markets are open pretty early around here. And so she would trade in the morning and then take us to school and then come back and trade a little bit and then pick mm-hmm. us up and take us to sports. So she basically day traded <laughs> through uh, and put food on the table for, for years. Um, wow. And so, I mean, that's resourcefulness at its, its finest. And they say that like yeah. necessity is the mother of invention. And, and, you know, I don't know if anyone could have done that. You know, my mom's smart and, and fiercely dedicated and, and, and sharp and she likes, you know, bar figures and all those kind of things. So, but she made it happen for our family and, and that's just always something that I will brag on forever. You know, that's, it's amazing to me. Yeah. That's a testament to strength. I mean, having to, even if you are taking your grief and sorrow in private, like being able to lead two young men 
I mean, very young men, like mm-hmm. young men may even be, be a stretch to yeah, use sure. those two words, but taking two boys and continuing to lead them and being able to provide as well as kind of starting to stretch out and find new relationship possibilities. So when she was starting to date Jim and everything, and you were potentially giving him uh, a run for his money and they did finally marry at at that time, were you kind of more at peace with it or was it still a tough transition post marriage for them? Totally. I mean, Jim, Jim broke down my shell fast and, are we are we open with sharing some some funny and incredibly incriminating, embarrassing stories on this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Very welcome. So I'm going to give one of those. I actually have not shared this publicly, especially not recorded. <laughs> but this this was like the the situation that really opened us up. So um, this was probably one of my they my Jim and Jim and mom had probably gone on several dates up to this point, but this was the first time where mom wanted to bring Jim home. We had kind of like a family night. And Jim thought it would be a great idea for us to play Twister. Like, I like the game where you're kind of on hands on red, foots on yellow, Mm -hmm. like everyone's all twisted up. Um, and it's like an icebreaker. And we think we had pizza or something like that. So we're playing Twister. And and I, at this point, I'm like probably 14, like, you know, hitting puberty. Uh, and I was wearing these pajamas that were these pajama bottoms that, we're just loose and baggy and scrapped. I'd had them for years. So we're playing Twister. Me and my brother are on the ground, all wrapped up. And in the middle of this Twister game, my pants are unbuckled and penis and everything just falls out of the pants. Oh, I don't yeah. even realize it. And I'm on top of my little brother. And and I don't even notice because, you know, free flopping pants. And, and Jim and mom are over there just absolutely. Jim starts cracking up. My mom is just like, it's probably like the most shocked she's ever been. And then my brother notices what's happening. He screams and I just turn beet red. Cause this is the man that my mom just brought into the house who just sees, you know, my puberty penis at 14. And I just turned bright red and I just ran out of the room. And I think from that point, there was no way for me to like, I lost all like tough man credibility mm-hmm. with Jim, like in an instant, which was a beautiful thing because it opened up our relationship. I mean, when a stranger sees your penis, like you, you kind of are semi friends at that point. Yeah. Um, so that was like first impression with Jim and we've, we've built from there, but yeah, I mean, it, it kind of accelerated the the relationship you could say. Yeah. Non, non-planned naked twister. Yeah. In front of <laughs> not recommended, but effective. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so not something we are going to run around and tell all of you uh, step <laughs> To push into happening if you're struggling with that new relationship. <laughs> but if it does happen. Yeah, know that good things are around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I hope that uh, Jim, if he happens to listen to this, makes sure to remind you to buckle your pants. Oh, he is. He's, he's hilarious. He gives me a hard time. I'll be telling that story forever. <laughs> And I'm sure your brother enjoys that story. No, yeah, he still hates it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah, he still hates it. I don't blame him. Well, that's what, I mean, God, I, if I was to really sit down and tap into all my brotherly embarrassing memories, I probably would have a full week's long <laughs> worth of conversations. Right. Totally. That's, Especially when it's just that, I mean, for me and my brother, so I, I'm the youngest of eight. Oh, my God. Uh, but my brother, who I work with, 
he's a year and a half older than me and the gap is a little bit higher with the rest of the kids and we just kind of were always you know the best friends that were not best friends as well you know yeah. we beat up on each other and did all the kind of cliche things that you would expect two young brothers to do and i think that there's something very special to that bond and i i love the fact that you and your brother still have that closeness and i know how meaningful that can be as an adult as well as being a teenager and a kid with that bond mm-hmm. yeah i mean the thing about brothers and, and i'm sure sisters as well i don't have any sisters but brothers is if seen yet your lowest of, of the low um, and they still appreciate you for where you've been where you are today at least in good healthy relationships and ours certainly has never you know been picture perfect but man i'm closer to closer to nick than than anyone else in the world mm-hmm. so how did that relationship kind of uh transform and make it through i i know he was very young when your dad passed away how how did that relationship kind of go through that time yeah so i think i was at an age where i could properly grieve and really understand the situation and that gave me an opportunity to grieve with my mom um, and I think just cognitively being three years older than him, um, I could process it in, in a, in a more healthy manner. Um, and there were just a lot of early memories of, of me and my mom just crying it out in the closet and just really leaning on each other for support. And I think as we were externalizing a lot of this grief and it was coming out of us, I think Nick had a lot of internalization and he, didn't grieve in the way that we did mm-hmm. and he bottled it up a little bit. And I think that led him uh, through high school in a way where he ended up being, you know, a tougher kid, you know, less, less like by the books as my mom would have wanted to him to be like, you know, the straight A's, you know, play the sports. Like I, I played into mom's path, whereas, whereas my brother was rebellious rocker, you know, it kind of set him on a, on a little different path and these things all come for full circle. And I love my brother for who he is and all those experiences. It just is really interesting to me that two people, you know, very similar before this situation had an experience at different like brain understanding stages and, and it set us on very different trajectories. Um, so mm-hmm. there's a lot to say about when things happen and the timing of things um, and how that, that changes things oftentimes beyond our control. Yeah. And for him, I mean, I'm sure you've, I, I don't know, I, I guess I shouldn't assume that you've talked about it with him. Yeah, but, lots of times. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am sure he had that kind of very odd, like he didn't have somebody to kind of come alongside with his misunderstanding of it. Not misunderstanding, yeah, but I know what you his mean. not really taking it in the way you did and your mom and you were able to kind of lean on one another totally so did did he in your conversations with him like did that come as a as a grieving breakthrough for him at a at an older age or was it just kind of a gradual softening that took place after high school or whatever gradual softening gradual softening he got he you know he walked his path got into you know enough trouble and um and I think one of the biggest things that actually helped our relationship 
go to the next level is when we start working together. And I know you can certainly relate with what it's like to work with, you know, your brother, but that there's a lot of things that Nick couldn't understand about me and how I related to the world, like why I was so, you know, type A on the ball, ambitious, always putting myself out there. And I think he, Nick, Nick thought that things came easy to me when the reality of it was I was working my ass off, like behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. And when we started working together, this relates to the grieving because he got to see how I was showing up with, with our work. And, And it, it opened up a lot of vulnerability for us to heal our relationship and some of the tension, um, him to understand me, me to understand him to a greater extent and have a, have a true reuniting of, of our, of our brotherhood and, and a healing that's just been amazing. And I think that's like ultimately uh, honoring my dad by us coming full circle through the relationship is certainly what he would have wanted, you know? So yeah, it's, it was more of the gradual softening and, and it made a lot more sense to both of us uh, when we got older and we kind of walked our own path for long enough to, to relate and take perspective with one another. Mm-hmm. And is, I, I don't believe you, you are not a dad. No, correct? no, no, not yet. But if my, if my woman has anything to do with that, that'll change faster than Very I soon. want it to, you know, yeah. definitely will have a whole army of kids. Um, I have an army of fathers I take care of right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is Nick a dad? No, not yet either. But, you know, he certainly wants to be. Um, so, yeah, we're both going to have some great kids. He's, he's, he's Nick's like one of those guys that's just like a cool kid. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. he's cool. You know, likes music, plays the drums, plays the guitar. So his kids are probably going to be cooler than my kids. Sorry, future kids. But we'll we'll deal with that down the road. <laughs> that we'll find other great things for you to be doing. Yeah, totally. As musically creative. Yeah. So... Yeah, you are. I I will probably say this. I probably already did say it in my intro, which is kind of a weird. I'm in a DeLorean right now <laughs> going 88 because I haven't recorded it yet. But I'm sure everybody heard it in my intro that you are my first non-dad guest on the podcast, <laughs> which I did sit and think about for a second because I never came right out and asked you, um, but I I did my research and really tried to find uh, whether you were a dad or not without being too invasive. Don't be afraid. <laughs> good, there's good digital there's, stocking. Nothing safe these days. Yeah. You don't have to like unscrew your light bulbs in your house and see if there's cameras inside <laughs> or anything. But I felt, you know, I thought about it for a little while and because I've always kind of said, you know, this is a conversation with me and other dads, but I felt 100% that, this is something that a your story about your dad and how that changed your life and affected you was worth it. And B all of the work that you do for the dads that are listening is absolutely 100% worth it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel, I feel, I can't wait for that stage in life. And um, I could tell you this, like I, I have no idea what it's like to be a dad but I do know how to stay healthy and how to keep other dads healthy. So we have that figured out for sure. Yeah. And I, I know for you, even though our circumstances are very different, like once that started happening for me, like when my wife was pregnant and thinking about being a dad, it completely changed. I mean, my view of being a dad and everything was, so raw and heightened and 
my desire to put all those the things into play that I did learn from my dad and kind of wanting to keep his legacy going of the kind of dad that he was was so important to me. So I'm sure you will tap into that soon. Totally. And I I have a I'm lucky because I'm literally surrounded by you know, thousands of amazing fathers who I get the opportunity to serve through the Fit Father Project and and the coaching and the consulting that I do. So I have a lot of great models, you know, whether it's Jim, my stepfather, or, you know, great guys like you who are clearly stepping up and showing up in the world and and doing the best job that you can to be a dad. I definitely have a lot of tools and models to to work on. Yeah. And and that can be very helpful, especially like, you know, like you were saying, dads do need Men and dads do need a lot of support. And I think that, you know, that was part of what kind of drove me to start this podcast. And originally it was just kind of a blog and there are a lot out there. But at that time I was looking and just thinking about all the stuff that's out there for moms and how much they support each other and how great and important that is for them. And thinking about how, you know, the cliche that, men don't communicate and can't communicate and don't come alongside each other the same way that women do and support one another. And when we talk, we just talk about sports and whatnot. And so that was a big thing to me of like wanting to create kind of a, a a easygoing conversation to support other dads and potentially have a, a bunch of funny, goofy stories as well, but also, Getting to those very gooey inside stories and emotions as well to encourage us to basically remember what we are, you know, for me, what I am here for Mm -hmm. really is my kids, like take away everything else. Like that's what I need to be doing pretty much everything that I do for. Right. I totally agree. And I, I love this work, you know, really we're, you and I are working on, we're, we're all, we're all on the same team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is, this is just leading an opportunity to have these conversations and be vulnerable and share the stories and know that we're not alone, know that the support is there when, when we want to get it, um, and know that there's strength and vulnerability. I think that's another thing too, is, is I like the, the daddy unscripted, you know, it, it's, it's really about getting raw, getting real, getting relevant. And, um, and yeah, these conversations are absolutely needed. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, because it's, it's very, I think in communities you see it where you are. I went to a conference called podcast movement that was in Anaheim, very local to me a couple months ago now or so. And we all were in this community. We all were doing or wanted to do, or were somehow involved in podcasts. And so as you're passing people in the hallways in this huge hotel, you could strike up a conversation with almost anybody because you knew you had that in common. And I kind of feel that in the same way when like I'm at my kid's school or something and I'm passing other dads and I know they are dads. So I'm comfortable with the idea of giving them a head nod and a smile or saying good morning or whatever to them, which is something that I think we don't, tend to do very much out in the open anymore. And, you know, if I really want to get Little House on the Prairie with this, Mm -hmm. like 
you know, back in the day, yeah, a lot of people would walk down the street and strike up a conversation with somebody that you didn't know. And you would just have a talk about whatever, whether it was five minutes or 30 minutes. And now that's so lacking in general, at least where I live, I know there are places where people are a lot, have a lot more time and they're not as rushed as Southern California life, but it's a lot more difficult unless you see somebody that you know has something that you can communicate and be on the same level with them. And so this medium and what you do enables you to know that you are pulling in these people of like mind that you have this one central theme that you are able to communicate with them. And that just opens up everything from there. So yay for that. Yay for dads. Right. Yeah. And, y- and yay for like finding those things that we, we all identify with as like our core that we can find that commonality. I mean, you could put the most staunch Republican and Democrat on two sides and they both have kids and there's common ground. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, without belaboring this point, it's, you know, the, just the concept of fatherhood is, is probably one of the most uniting things I think we have um, on this planet. Yeah. So let's get into how you kind of started this whole thing. I know you said, you know, you had this idea in mind of what you wanted to do, but when did the fit father project become the concept in your mind of what you were driving for and how did you build it up into what it is now? Yeah. So it was a process. I mean, I think anybody who's who's tried to start something considers themselves an entrepreneur, or a project manager of some sort, like knows that there's a big startup time. So the Fit Father Project, as it stands today, went through several different brand iterations before becoming what it is. It was like the Healthy Men Project. Um, at one point, it was called Halftime Fitness, which was like playing on the idea of helping dads at halftime of life. It was like kind of like football themed. Mm. Um, and I ended up having a, finding a mentor, um, in the name of a guy named Yannick Silver, who runs some business conferences, masterminds. And he authored a book called Evolved Enterprise, which is a really cool book about how for profit businesses can change the world, um, by creating business models that not only help people, but also just generate some serious profit. Um, and in examples of, of these kind of evolved enterprises that a lot of people are familiar with is like Tom's shoes, like that shoe company that they kind of look like leather sacks that you see the kids wear. Um, and, and they have a buy one, give one model. So you buy one pair of shoes, you give one. So okay. that's this guy, Yannick, who, who really dissected a lot of these models and put a book together for people who wanted to change the world, who wanted to make money in the process and have massive impact. So you know, through a series of connections, Yannick ended up mentoring me. Um, and he said, Hey, look, you know, this healthy men project thing can be so much more. Um, why don't we try on the fit father project? And that came through a lot of brainstorming conversations, but he's like, kid, this is evolved enterprise at its finest. You know, this is helping, you know, men become better fathers and the ripple effect of that is, is tremendous. So, um, we ended up being featured in that evolved enterprise book as like a, a four mission business. Um, and it slowly started steamroll from there. I think you and I talked a little bit off, uh, you know, off audio. Um, but I admire your consistency with this podcast. And I think that, um, consistency is one of the things that maybe differentiates 
those things that, that start up and win in the information age from those that don't, um, is I was just ruthlessly consistent with publishing some of the best blog content, articles, videos for like three years. Um, and in a business like mine, like the Fit Father Project, where our, our bread and butter is, is videos and, and articles that get people interested in, in going deeper with us and maybe joining some of our online programs. You know, you just got to put out amazing stuff for a long time. And, and we heard this term search engine optimization, like places like Google that takes a long time for them to pick up your content. Right. But we were persistent. And the reason we were persistent is because we care so much about the mission. If we were in this for a buck, I would have quit, you know, a year in. Mm-hmm. Instead, like three years in, we weren't really making any money, but we were getting ourselves out there. Um, and then these things, at least in my experience, tend to hit an inflection point where you're around in the marketplace long enough where um, people are like, okay, I guess they're here to stay. We're going to pay attention now. And we started getting a lot of traffic from Google, tons of people reading our articles. We developed some incredible online transformation programs and started running thousands of guys uh, through those programs. And that was a, you know, almost like a two year big jump. And now we have a team of, I think 12, um, 12 of us working totally virtually around the world, um, mostly fathers on our team. And we're all just leading the mission of helping men live healthier through articles and videos, customer support, you know, shooting new programs, having, you know, coaching call conversations. And so we, our mission is, is, you know, plainly to help a hundred thousand fathers, you know, get healthy for their families by 2020. And, you know, we're about 20% of the way there at this point. So we got to crank it up a notch. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I we stuck it out. We believe in the mission. And I think that's really what would differentiate us and enables us to, to stay. And also the fact that, you know, running a health and fitness business, you know, you mentioned this personally, like these things are a dime a dozen. Like there's so many different workouts. There's you, There's probably 50 personal trainers you could go to locally. And the conversation is just someone that, that We've been beat over the heads with, we know we need to eat healthier. We know we need to exercise. And yet a lot of us guys can't get ourselves to be consistent um, because it's just not motivating doing those kind of, you know, things that we know are options. And so that's what, what the interesting thing about fit fathers is we're wrapping fitness in fatherhood. The reason you might join us is because you want to be a better father, not because you want to get a six pack. We're going to get you that in the process but it's, it's leading a different angle to the conversation that makes it a lot more emotional for guys who can find a reason now to get up a little earlier to get that workout in or to have the salad for lunch. It, it just hits on the heart. And that's really what drives our human behavior is finding something that's aligned. And like we said, you know, there's not too many things more important than being a father and being a provider. So um, I think that's a way that we're able to lead a, a much more authentic conversation um, and get guys involved at a level that they weren't willing to get involved in before. Because, you know, biceps are only so motivating at a certain point in life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you've got your trophy wife, yeah. which we we all should be saying that we have our trophy wife. Once you have that, like there is that slack, you know, the freshman 10 or whatever, you know, that may be because you've you've pursued and wooed and won. And I didn't trademark that, but maybe I should have. Maybe if I had one other rhyme with ood at the end of it, pursued and wooed and something pursued and wooed and played twister in the nude. Maybe, maybe that that definitely would work. That definitely would work so far. hundred percent success rate. Um, But if you, you do all of that and then there is absolutely that 
relaxation with so many people that is the dad bod. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Well, and then you, I mean, that's, that's only married bod. Like, you right. know, unless you have a, unless you have that relationship that either already contains that, or you are marrying somebody who is a partner in that idea or drives you to do that with them, then you are then married. And then, yeah, you throw in a kid and you are now working that much more or harder or whatever it may be. I mean, like for me, I manage an animal hospital as my nine to five. I also kind of still have a photography business on the side. I drive Uber when I can to basically like get us grocery money and gas money when I can't, when I need to. And I have my podcast and, you know, I have all this stuff going on plus two kids at home and a wife right. that I, you know, <laughs> and I am the only one bringing home any income. And so I have to do all of these things and being able to find the time, you know, unfortunately for me, a lot of those other side things like working on this podcast, I'm doing it at night, you know, after the kids are in bed. And if I'm Ubering or whatever, it is usually at night after the kids are in bed. So like working out after they're in bed is kind of, I either have to juxtapose those other things or it is really that thing for me where, yes, I have to wake up before everybody else to do something. And I'm kind of finally at that point and it's taken, you know, I know not every dad has this happen or person has this happen in their life, but there, there always is that kind of thing where the idea of something bad is going to need to happen to make this person make this drastic change in their life. Mm -hmm. And mine is not, you know, I'm, I'm not eating fast food every single day. I'm, I'm not in the worst health possible, but like I said, like I'm really kind of in no shape. And what was it? Two years ago, my brother and myself and a bunch of our friends, we go on this annual quote unquote man trip where we pick a destination and we go snowboarding for like four or five days. Mm -hmm. And I'm again in so much pain and my body is basically 70 years old that I don't even snowboard anymore. I basically just go to hang out and have fun with my friends. And on this last trip or on this trip two years ago, we were having breakfast in Utah right before we were going to go to the airport. And I was doing one of my common things that I do, which is a very bad habit of mine when I see a menu, especially when I'm out somewhere special. A lot of times I know I'm never going to be there again. And so I want this breakfast is the worst for me because I want to try your eggs Benedict and I want to <laughs> try your biscuits and gravy. And so I think I had both of those things and we were sitting at the table talking and everybody was kind of done eating and I was done and somebody was talking and it struck me as funny and I had a gulp of coffee that I had just taken and I hadn't yet swallowed it. And this had happened to me a couple of times on that trip and it's happened a few since where basically it's almost as if my epiglottis just does not move and just hmm. says no. And so it's as if I'm pouring whatever drink I'm taking into another cup. And that cup happens to be my throat. Right. And it's not going anywhere. And 
it hit that and I looked immediately as I was holding this closed mouth full of coffee at the table and noticed that everybody's iPhones were out and I didn't want to spray everybody's phones. And so I started basically kind of choking and convulsing on my coffee and I took like five steps because I was trying to go to the bathroom to spit out my coffee and I couldn't find it and everything started closing in my vision and I guess I fell to the ground and started totally convulsing on the ground and then was out and freaked (laughs) pretty much all of my friends out and freaked out everybody in the restaurant because I was really like I had seized and then was just completely unconscious. And one of my friends that was there was a doctor and I'm, I think he gave me the Heimlich maneuver. I'm not sure. And I eventually came to and was just like choking and went back to the table and had to basically I had like five minutes to kind of get myself together and then was getting on a plane, which was very scary for me because I had no Mm -hmm. idea, you know, we'd had no clue what had happened. And so I came home and was like, okay, something's going on with my body. I am like, got, I'm getting older. I'm not taking good care of myself. And so for a little while, that was one of my kind of things. And I think I've kind of just settled into the idea that I'm about to be 45 years old. I'm not in great shape. I'm at a weight that kind of is not dropping and not getting worse. And I unfortunately, my brother and I got some of my mom's arthritic genes. And so it's difficult for me because impact stuff affects me. You know, I go on a really long walk and I'm feeling it for like two or three days in my joints and in my feet. So those have been kind of the things that have kept me away from it. But I also have had that kind of coming to Jesus moment of, okay, <laughs> I, I something has to change. Like if I want to be around and see my kids graduate high school and do all of these things, I need, I need to make some big changes in my health. Yeah. So I love you sharing that the story. I mean, not that you almost choked to death. I mean, it's pretty scary <laughs> stuff. Um, but I think there's a lot of lessons that a lot of guys can glean from that. And I'd like to comment and maybe provide some perspective too, because we, we feel like we need to make a lot of big changes and we do because we want some big results. However, I like to tell guys that when it comes to health and fitness, small hinges swing big doors. Mm. So there are some small things that we can do that don't take any more time and actually have nothing to do with exercise um, that can really create massive improvements in our health. And a lot of that comes around the nutrition and sleep side of things. And when it comes to just weight loss and, and decreasing the amount of inflammation in our bodies and just being healthier, nutrition's like 80% of the battle. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it's kind of like a misconception because a lot of people feel like we need to be exercising off, you know, exercise off calories or, or hit the gym all the time to be healthy. Yes, obviously exercise is really important. But we have tons of guys um, who we support who absolutely do no formal exercise. They just follow a good meal plan, like our Fit Father meal plan. They um, they walk occasionally. Um, and we've had guys lose over 100 pounds. It doesn't wow. sound like you're there. But the point of sharing those stories is that a good anti-inflammatory diet that syncs up with your schedule 
with your work schedule and incorporates foods you already love, like healthy, we'll use the word to be really cliche, man foods, <laughs> you know, some, some good veggies and meats and stuff that you like, you know, not like feeling like you're eating like a bird, mm -hmm. um, can do more for your health than pretty much anything else. We get you sleeping at least seven hours a night and get you eating on a regimented schedule. Like you'd be down around 20 pounds in the next month and a half, two months, like period. So just know that like, you know, for guys out there feeling like really strapped and up against the fence that, you know, you can't seem to make this fitness stuff budge because you have an insanely busy schedule. Not going to argue with that. I would just start, feel like you can start uh, on the nutrition side of things, which is not going to take more time. In fact, getting on the right meal plan will, will give you time because you're going to be so much more energized and you're going to be more focused. Um, and you're not going to have the decision fatigue of trying to figure out which foods you should be eating and, and having the guilt when you're eating something, you know, that's not in alignment. So all that stuff goes away when you get on a simple and sustainable meal plan. So that would be like outside of the sleep and creating a mission statement for why you want this to happen. Nutrition is like the foundation. So that's something where I would recommend you start. I know this is not an advice session, but I, I couldn't help but chime in, chime in because there's a lot of lessons to be learned from your situation is incredibly common. You know, yeah, and the answer is sure. not always go get up at 4 a.m. to exercise when you're already staying up till 11, you know, p.m. to get the podcast done, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what I was, one of the things I was telling my wife too, which I think can be that hurdle for a lot of guys probably. And this is me telling you something that you probably would tell me better. Bring it on. <laughs> is, is that you, you do want to make and think it takes that drastic change and that drastic change seems impossible, out of reach, too much, not sustainable. It, it becomes kind of that really reach for the stars goal when you yeah. kind of really just need that top of the trees thing yep. to get yourself going. 100%. And, and the most motivating thing is results. Mm -hmm. So like doing some very leveraged things off the front end to start seeing some results and you're like, wow, you know, I started this meal plan and, and we know it's a less inflammatory meal plan. So your joints are going to feel better and, and you lost five pounds in the first week and a half. Then you'd be like, huh, okay, maybe I'm ready for the next step. So it's like that confidence competence loop that just happens. Um, so finding those early wins with the sleeping nutrition is, is humongously important for almost all guys and understand exercise is great. Um, but not necessary, especially if you have an active job. I mean, I imagine uh, in your line of work, like you're moving around quite a bit, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's days where I'm sitting down a bunch, but there's also days where my co-manager or the hospital administrator and I are looking at our steps on our phone and we're like, whoa, we did a lot of friggin' walking inside the hospital today. Yeah. So yeah. And, and really like, and I don't know, I haven't, you haven't touched on this, but I know the times that I have kind of made this bigger push towards something and, and isn't always a humongous push, but the times that I've just taken that change of drinking a lot of water, yeah. like just that alone, right. like changes so much, like your energy, my energy level seems to go up. I seem to have more clarity and I, I am definitely less tired somehow when I'm just drinking a bunch of water. Sure. Yeah. I mean, even, even by the sheer fact that water keeps you more full, less likely to snack on some stuff that's going to send your blood sugar crazy. So yeah, I mean, again, 
small hinges swing big doors. Mm-hmm. Just hydration is is amazing. Yeah. And I think here's the other thing is is you know, and this is certainly not a pitch for our stuff, but it, it just helps to find to commit to put some money on the line and get support. Like if this is an area um, of your life that any guy wants to improve, whether it's the fitness or the finances or relationships, like actually, you know, investing in something and and starting in a system and getting into like a groove where there's some accountability and you're not just doing it on your own uh, is like honestly half the battle. I mean, getting plugged into something that keeps, that gives you the guardrails to move forward. Like it's really easy to dip out on our own commitments when no one's looking and and it's just something that we've made privately. But when you take that deeper step and, and commit, you know, put some money on the line, invest in that trainer or do X, Y, Z, like it changes the game with the kind of results you're going to produce. It's just, it's just how things work, not just fitness in, in all areas of life. Yeah. I think the times that my desire to change has led me to going to a local gym, like I'm, I'm just not that gym guy. And so I think for me, that's exactly kind of what happens. Like I get there amongst a a kind of different group of people. And even if it, even if it were a handful of people that are like me, you know, I'm not finding somebody there that I'm kind of talking with about this stuff. And so I think, and you haven't said specifically that this takes place. Well, you did say that there are coaching calls and stuff like that, but I think that that community side of it, where you're not just going into a room full of people, you're all going on the machines, you're looking around, whether you like it or not, you know, you may not be looking around like some of the people are wanting to meet other people or meet a man or a woman, but you are like seeing all these other people. And I think that to a lot of people who are not working out consistently and don't have that gym body, that that can be something in itself that within a month or two months, you're just kind of like, okay, this isn't really totally my scene. It's not my scene. Yeah. I mean, 90% of the guys on our programs work out at home with a pair of dumbbells Mm -hmm. and the community is created virtually. So um, I get it. You know, I, I don't, you know, I teach this stuff for a living. I don't even work out at a gym. So it definitely like those aren't, those aren't hard obstacles for preventing someone from really seeing the results and getting started. Um, but having a system that they can follow is, is pretty essential in my experience. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to have it be something that's virtual where you're as, as a person in your system is able to, and now it sounds like I'm pitching your stuff, but if, <laughs> if, if I'm a user of, or member of your system or however you want to say it, and I am able to go online and see all of these and or communicate with these other people that are kind of going through the same thing. Like I think that that support and just kind of communication can definitely keep that drive to want to continue to do it. And and then again, like the niche of it being dads and having that ability to, you know, you have that in the name and these guys are focusing on that, maybe not as they are doing every little step of this, but they are thinking like, I am doing this because I am a dad and I want to have good health and I want to be around for my kids and whatnot. That is a huge motivator right there. So spot on. Yep. Yeah. I agree. 
So I, I will say that just because I said this whole pitch thing, like truly I'm not pulling your guys' legs. Like this is the first time that the two of us have talked. I am not a member of the no, Finfather project no. as of yet. <laughs> I am hearing some good things. So, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds like something that you have put together for, a very good reason for yourself and what that is creating and uh, enabling so many other men to do. Like I, I know it sounds dumb, but huge congratulations. Like in all sincerity, what you are doing is fantastic. And to all the guys that are a part of it, I'm mentally high-fiving all of you right I, now because I, I got a big smile on my face. I appreciate that. And I feel like your genuine congratulations. Um, and, you know, it's, it, yes, it's certainly about dads. Um, but, but when men get healthy, you know, as, as leaders of our families, everyone else gets healthy, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's, it's an ecosystem approach, right? So it trickles down to the kids and, and I, that's, I'm incredibly passionate about in a way, what we do with the fit father project is unwinding, you know, we're unwinding sometimes decades of, of behaviors that are not supportive of health. Um, and, and that's amazing that we can support men by unwinding and reinstalling uh, new, healthier habits that, that, you know, give them a second chance at, at health for the next half of life. I'm equally mm-hmm. passionate about helping the next generation of kids get to the point where they don't have to unwind in 20 years um, and instilling those habits. And, and desperately, kids need that these days. I mean, you look at, um, you know, school lunches, childhood obesity rates, the, the amount of type 2 diabetes that's happening in kids and, and just generally like, I mean, when you grew up, like I'm sure you were pretty much outside on a bike, like constantly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, I had the same thing and, and it's just not the case these days. And, and it's really going to impact what the next generations of, of moms and dads are, are ultimately going to be like. So I think I feel a spiritual responsibility to, to make a dent in that while I'm here. And one of the best ways is by helping more dads be fit fathers. Yeah. And what you just tapped into that's part of the big things that I kind of look for in these conversations with dads and typically would be saying what behaviors and what fatherly things do you see in yourself that you have subconsciously or or consciously even pulled from the way that you were parented by your dad or the way that he treated your mom or whatever how are you pulling those things and what you're doing what you were just talking about is kind of that same thing like we have learned from our parents in a multitude of different ways and behaviors so i can definitely see how you would have to unwind that as you were saying and um kind of extract what their roots were yeah and kind of implant these new um behaviors and beliefs into all of these men right exactly and and you you hit it it's behaviors and beliefs i think a lot of us guys have a lot of subconscious scripts and beliefs about about health self-worth confidence eating exercise um that do largely dictate our behaviors so a lot of our work that we do is is largely on the psychological internal alignment side of things because you know, if health and fitness were just an information game, um, then every single person on the planet would be healthy. Like we all know that the, we should probably order the salmon, but not the burger. 
you know, it's not an information issue. It's like a behaviors issue. And a lot of that comes down to the psychology. So um, that's something that, you know, we know is an incredible uh, component of this, of this recipe. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, this has been so good. Nice. I feel like, I feel like I've come away with a lot and I feel like there's no way that we haven't filled the brains of everybody with a lot of (laughs) different things that they, that they can, you know, move on from this and tap into in whichever way. But I definitely do want to give them the direction and give you the opportunity to tell them how to potentially take the next step into checking out the fit father project. So where can they find everything in regards to that? Yeah. So the website is fitfatherproject.com. And on the site, there are just tons of, you know, amazing free resources. In particular, if we could in the show notes, I think one of the best things would be to put in um, some links to both our free meal plan for men over 40 and our free 24 minute fat burning workout. And this is something that we pride ourselves with at the Fit Father Project. Like, yes, we have, you know, paid programs that guys sign up for and say, Hey, I want to do this in a big way. But our free resources, if I'm going to toot our own horn, are, are pretty much better than 99% of like the paid stuff online. Um, and we have guys email us all the time from our list that say, Hey, you know, didn't buy your shit, but I used your free meal plan, your free workout, and I lost 20 pounds. Like, thanks, man. I love mm-hmm. those emails. I want more of those emails. So, if, if, if a guy listening right here knows he wants to live healthier and, and downloaded that free, uh, one day meal plan and, and the free 24 minute workout that involves just a pair of dumbbells and like seven feet of floor space and start doing that, like boom, game over. So we can pop those links. I'm sure we have show notes we can. And, and yeah. otherwise, if you just go to fitfatherproject.com, you can see that stuff all over the place. Excellent. And I know you are on Facebook. Yeah. So Fit Father Project on Facebook, um, is where they can, they can interface with the, the Fit Father Project page. So we have, we have like tens of thousands of guys that like that page and, and we post some cool stuff there. Uh, you know, it's mostly on the fitness side of things, but I'm also really interested in connecting with people personally. So they can also look up Anthony Balduzzi on Facebook and feel free to drop me a request and, you know, happy to have some follow up conversations, especially if they came from, you know, an amazing place like this podcast. Cool. Yeah. And I went and put something on Twitter today and noticed that you have been slacking on your Twitter. Do you know what? I'm not going to throw my uh, my team members under the bus, but oh. is, it, is it my personal Twitter or the Fit Father Project? Because we just don't oh, do it's, it's your personal one. Oh, God. I can't I'm throw sorry. anyone under the bus. That's mine. That's your own bus. No, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, did a, I did a social media fast a while ago, and then Twitter was something that never got back in the loop. But I'm okay on Facebook. I'm okay on Facebook. Okay. Okay. Yeah, don't look at my Twitter. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but you got, but so Fit Father Project is on Twitter and alive and well. Yeah, it is. And okay. if you message that, you'll definitely get in touch with one of my, one of my team members and their message will be routed to me. And then this is how podcasts like this happen. So. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. I can definitely testify to that. You have a um, good team that is not just throwing stuff into the bin. Yeah. Not a black hole. <laughs> we really care. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I can absolutely guarantee, even though I will be pushing some other people that I know, uh, I will, you will at least have one hit on your website tonight. <laughs> cool. I'm excited. I appreciate, appreciate this time together. And I'm really excited for uh, just more guys to keep on doing this great work. And, and I appreciate being here. 
Thank you very much, Dr. Anthony. I Likewise. really appreciate your time. Have an amazing rest of your night and get some sleep, my friend. Yeah, you too. All right. Thanks. Okay, and there you have it. My first ever episode with a non-dad on Daddy Unscripted. Kind of taboo. I know it's kind of against the rules, but I make the rules. So I guess it's okay, right? I guess I have that liberty to be able to do that. But as I'm sure you will agree, like that is definitely something that fits into this category of this podcast and what has been created because this is very much a conversation for dads and for men and really for everybody because we did touch on a lot of things involving the relationship between Dr. Anthony and his dad, the relationships between he and his stepdad, the relationship with his brother and all of those things that really kind of still fall within the daddy unscripted category. So I enabled him to kind of take the reins on plugging all of his things that you should find him on. I was not lying. I have already set up my laptop with all of the links that I need to look at when I get home after recording this. So where you can find daddy unscripted is on Facebook on Instagram, on Twitter, all as Daddy Unscripted. You can find the podcast if you didn't already because you are listening to it, but maybe you're listening to it on the website, which is daddyunscripted.com. We're on iTunes. We are on Stitcher Radio. We are on TuneIn Radio. And we are also on Google Play. So Android users, Apple users, you iPhone 10 users, whoever you may be, you can all access and listen to all of the past episodes of the podcast as well. So you can send an email to me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. I would love for you guys to subscribe on iTunes, leave a review. That does really help. It helps more people find the podcast. So I would love to do that. I think it's about time to do another giveaway. I have done one and I will figure out another giveaway item and maybe after this podcast, we'll figure one out. And on the next episode, we will have a leave a review and the review that we pick that's the best one will get some kind of item that has to do with one of our previous guests. So we'll make that happen. Take a listen to the next episode after this one, which should be out in a couple of weeks. As always, I just want to take a second to thank Umphreys McGee for partnering with me, enabling me to use their music on the podcast. It means a lot to me for a band that I absolutely love and admire and love everything that they do on the stage and behind the scenes and with their web presence and with their involvement with the fans. So definitely check out Umphreys McGee. You can go simply to umphreys.com. And if, if you're keen to it, with what you've heard on this little snippets on the pod- podcast, uh, you can look them up online and find where they are playing and when they are playing near you and go out and have your mind absolutely blown by the ridiculous musicianship of the band. Thanks again for listening and thanks for all your support and all of the 
great guest ideas that you guys have been bringing to me and the feedback that you've always been so free flow with. I love it. Like I say constantly, I'm doing this 90% for all of you. So continue to pass the word along. I've been hearing some great things from people that I wouldn't expect to know about the podcast. So keep that word of mouth going and uh, keep sending guests my way and keep an eye out for the next episode. Thank you. Thank you.